Welcome to this month's edition of Pulp Nonfiction, the paper and packaging podcast. I'm Greg Johnson with Sustana Fiber, and I'm here once again with my co-host, Dr. Marta Pazos. So Marta, it's good seeing you again. And isn't it good seeing all the brands that are starting to embrace more and more paper-based packaging in 2022? Yes, I am so happy to be here today and so thankful for our uh, guest today, too. So during our recordings, I've been learning more and more about the paper industry. But the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know and how much more you want to know about a certain topic. And also, as you know, plastics are um are what i studied in school and i believe that the uses of plastics uh, although uh they have been really um key in order for uh, for our human development right we have turned them into a misuse so this single use packaging a, a made of plastic has made us realize that while plastics can be used in certain applications, in some others, we should uh, consider other materials such as paper, which is becoming more and more prominent in the uh, food beverage industry and in other in others too, right? Like some cosmetics brands are already using paper packaging. So today our guests, I'm hoping that we're going to get a little more light into that progress, that progression and where the industry is taking us. Exactly, Marta. And what better way to explore paper's place in today's marketplace than with our guest today, Marianne Hansen, the president of the Paper and Packaging Board. Marianne has excelled as a creative communications leader throughout her career. Prior to being named the president of the Paper and Packaging Board, she promoted flowers, seafood, and even plastics while working for the Society of American Florists, the National Fisheries Institute, and the American Plastics Council, as well as at several advertising and public relations agencies. Founded in 2014, the Paper and Packaging Board is based in McLean, Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C. Composed of almost 50 member mills and distributors, the organization is operated under the direction of the United States Department of Agriculture and is well known for its How Life Unfolds marketing campaign. Started in 2015, the campaign spotlights paper and packaging's prominent place in today's economy and how paper encourages creativity, communication, and connection. Marianne, it's great to see you. We're grateful for your time today, and thank you for visiting with us. Hey, thanks for inviting me to the Sustana uh, podcast. I can't wait to tell you a little bit about what we're doing with the Paper and Packaging Board. And Marianne, thank you so much for being with us today. One of the things I love about recording this podcast, besides having a lot of fun with Greg, is how much more I get to know about everything, right, in general, particularly um, regarding the paper packaging, sustainability, environmentally friendly practices. But, you know, that's the general thing. But I am fascinated to get to know people that I didn't even know that there would be um, doing the amazing type of job that you're doing. So tell us a little more about um, your leadership role as the president of the Paper and Packaging Board, um, as well as a little uh, about your background and, and how you got to where you are today. 
Well, how much time do you have? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll edit it. So we have plenty of time. <laughs> no, well, I've been involved in really industry commodity marketing programs for most of my career. Um, I, while I was a political science major in college, my first job was um, in an advertising agency. And as they say, the rest is history. Um, I got into advertising and worked at a number of firms, and then eventually went client side. Um, but the programs that I've been involved in are, are all of this same kind of nature, which is their category building. Um, the, it's a you know rising tides, lifts all boats kind of initiative. And so I've worked in probably um, very seriously half a dozen um, and, and even more beyond that. So, um, you know, I'll tell my friends that I started off in flowers and I worked in the floral industry for nine years. And, you know, everybody thinks, oh, you know, that's fun and beautiful. And it is, but it's also a perishable product. And so once it's gone, right, that's uh, a lot of uh, profit out the door. And um, and so they, they really had to work hard to get people to buy flowers for more than just gifts. Um, and then over time, um, I worked in the plastics industry. Um, then I worked in the seafood industry. That was the most recent position I had before doing this, um, specifically for canned tuna and um, helping pregnant women understand that, um, you know, seafood was a really critical part of uh, a pregnancy diet for baby brain development. Um, and there was a lot of misinformation in the marketplace that we had to square away. Fast forward eight years, um, you know, I've been now at the paper and packaging board. And what really got me excited is this industry was really serious about making an impact um, in the marketplace, getting the, the forest story out, getting the uh, recycling story out. When we first started, we were working really with products um, and product benefits. But over the last couple of years, as that consumer environment has started to shift and change, um, our board shifted our program to 100% sustainability focus. Um, but overall, I've worked in these types of programs now, both agency and client side, uh, well over 35 years. <laughs> So, I mean, it is fascinating to hear that. I got to tell you that, and I tell people these all the time, when I first came to this country, and it was the same everywhere else in the world, but I guess that it, it was what made me uh, think about it. Um, paper was sort of the evil material, right? Because it was contributing to deforestation. So kudos to people like yourself that have straightened that message and have made people understand that, um, by by replenishing the resources that we take, we are actually not not causing more of the damage that we currently are. Right. So again, thanks for not only the work that you're doing, but also strengthening the message to all of us. Right. For all of us. Yeah. No. It's it's really been a wonderful journey, and um, you know the a, a lot has changed. I think. I think the internet, you know, was a, everybody knows that was a game changer, but I remember, you know, printing out every important message, right? And there was a lot more paper used um, with the advent of the internet and emails. 
But over time, and particularly with the introduction of the smartphone, um, a lot of people are not printing as much, though they're printing what they want to print. And so there's definitely been a big change in, in the digital world that has impacted people's, I think, view about the resources um, that we have. But I also think there's been a better um job being done here by our companies um, and programs like ours that are talking about the fourth story in the United States, which is really very different than what's going on in the rest of the world. And that's not to say there aren't problems or challenges that we all need to address, but the U.S. can be part of solving the global deforestation problem, right, by sharing by example and um, showing how healthy products, excuse me, healthy products for forest, healthy markets for forest products um, really incentivize landowners to um, replant trees. And so our companies work very closely with a lot of these private landowners to um, put back um, more um, trees than they use. Um, and so that whole reuse um, of the material recycling the, the planting, the regenerating, all of those things, I think, have started to help shift the market um, in the United States. So on um, those email campaigns, do you remember, you know, those messages, please consider the environment <clears throat> before yeah. you print this message. Before you print. You know, that goes yeah. way back to, again, like the internet was new. You wanted to save those messages, right? Because we were used to having a paper trail. And of course, a lot of that um, has changed and continues to change. So um, technology has been a big driver, but the behavior of our companies has also um, been a really, really important part of evolving, um, you know, how we, we look at the world. Um, and like I said, it's not to say there aren't other challenges here in the U.S. to our forests, like urbanization. Uh, we know climate change um, is, is an issue. And, um, and, and so we've, we have to work on those things as well. But in terms of replacing and replanting um, at rates higher than what we use, that's been a hallmark of the industry's success, you know, on the forest product side. Certainly, certainly, Marianne. You know, that reminds me of an organization I, I just learned about recently called Tree Plenish that's based in Massachusetts. Are, are you familiar with them? I'm not. Um, I, and I grew up in Massachusetts. I'm going to have to write that one down. Yeah. I, I Apparently it was started by um, some college students. And I believe last year they planted over 50,000 trees and they were just um, trying to address some of the issues that, that we just talked about. But let me ask you this, um, another question for you, Marianne. Um, in terms of sustainability, from both a professional as well as a personal standpoint, what do you do in your everyday life to help the environment? Could you tell us a few things that you do? Sure. Well, you know, as you know, the leader of the paper and packaging board and our total sustainability focus, you know, we're we're talking about how to advance that messaging and get that message out in the marketplace every day. Personally, I am that that. Um, individual who likes to brag that my recycling bin is fuller than my trash um, bin because um, we're avid recyclers. And there's, uh, I'm in Fairfax County, Virginia, and um, we have, um, you know, a very robust recycling um, program here. And so there's very little that we use that doesn't end up 
um, you know, in the recycling. Um, and, you know, the, 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 we do have challenges, um, you know, glass is definitely more difficult to take and that gets recycled special somewhere else. Um, and, and then of course the, the various kinds of plastics. Um, but again, at the end of the day, I'm the person that's saying, I feel good because my recycling is, is, you know, um, fuller than my, um, my trash. And the other thing is, especially around the holidays, or when you see these sort of Christmas in July kind of sales, I'll be out walking the dog and I will see people who just threw their boxes out. They didn't empty them. They didn't flatten them. And, um, you know, that stuff is not going to end up in a recycling stream. And so there's part of me that wants to run over <laughs> and just, you know, uh, cut the tape on the box and, and flatten it. So um, so we do try and evangelize, you know, people. And, um, you know, even our own office, we brought in the waste management group that um, handles the recycling for our building to talk about the training they do with the other offices in the building. Cause we see all these boxes out of people's offices at night when we go home and we sort of have that same question consumers have, which is, is it really getting recycled? And so uh, the answer is yes. And we've seen the materials they use to educate the different suites in our buildings. So um, I am kind of, you know, a hawk that way, uh, even at work, if I see, something in the trash that should be in the recycling bin. I have no qualms about moving it to the right spot. <laughs> well, that's great that that you are totally dedicated. And I, I heard recently that uh, apparently 68% of all paper products are recycled, which is tremendous. I think that's the highest recycling rate we've seen, especially compared to other materials like Marta and I have talked about uh, for Many for times. a long time, like plastics. Mm -hmm. um, so so good job. I that's very impressive. Yeah, I think the yeah. industry um, has done a good job um, reminding consumers. But there's so much more we can do. We've got a new labeling initiative that um, our companies can go to their customers and ask them to put that on the box. And it has a QR code um, with all kinds of information about recycling. But the message um, is really cool. It says this box has seven, up to seven lives. Our planet has one. And then it says empty, flatten, recycle. And we're starting to see some momentum from our company's customers in terms of putting that on the box. And we're asking them to think about putting it on an inside flap um, so that the consumer sees it when they open the box. So we're looking at point of sale initiatives like that to remind people, you know, at curbside to recycle, empty the boxes, flatten them and recycle. And we're starting to get more involved in communicating the fact that pizza boxes are recyclable. Our, our mills all take them, but the um, local municipalities um, haven't quite gotten the message. And so we're looking at a whole initiative around pizza boxes, maybe around Super Bowl, March Madness, and, you know, family game night time to, again, kind of remind people that, you know, this, this you know, great food also comes in a great material in terms of being able to recycle it. But you do have to take the food out of it, right? So consumers sure. need those reminders. 
Right. No pepperoni with that paper. <laughs> exactly. <for sure. laughs> no, no pizza crust. Right. No pizza crust. Um, <laughs> to, me, to me, the pizza crust looks exactly like the cardboard. That's why I don't need it. <laughs> but not, not to be put there. And I actually have to say, Marianne, that I am one of those people that find flattening those bo boxes and, and like smashing them extremely uh how would i put it stress relieving yeah. you know it's like one of those activities of like there is something about destroying that it is kind of like soothing um i mean no no judgment please but i'm sure that a lot of people feel the same way yeah. right i actually had the privilege to go a few years ago to the cornfields area of Illinois, where there is a few companies that are manufacturing or they are processing corn syrup, and they are actually using the husks uh, mm. to as as a, as a as a potential feedstock for paper, right? Like, where do you see these advance? The where do you see advancements in the paper industry, right? Like we have, like you mentioned at the beginning, it's a commodity which has become almost like a downgraded word uh but there's so much research going on where do you see the paper industry going in to continue helping with this um conservationism right of our planet yeah so that's um i think a double-edged sword that's my opinion you certainly want to see innovation with other materials but again we know here in the united states the, the key to keeping forests as forests is to make sure that they have a useful life, right? And that useful life comes from everything from lumber. Um, it isn't just, you know, paper and packaging, but there are many, many things that are made from the forest. And so, um, so while it's, it's, it's nice to think about um, conservation in that way, conservation doesn't necessarily help us achieve our goal, right, which is to keep our forest lands really robust and healthy. And so, so I, I don't um, have anything negative to say um, about these um, agricultural alternatives, um, especially when they utilize other kinds of waste. But I do think it's really important to remember that, you know, our forests are really meant to be working for us. And when they're working and they're working for us, um, that incentivizes a whole chain of reactions, starting with landowners, right, to continue to invest um, in planting and growing more trees. I think where our industry is really, really strong is um, in innovating out waste. And so, you know, almost everything, right, that we buy is at some point shipped in a box. And so, if we can do that smarter, more efficiently, right, we can resize boxes to take more, we can um, use less um, fiber to make it because it's strong enough, you know, um, with the fiber it has. These are all things that I know our, our companies are really thoughtful about innovating out waste, um, using more material than we need, right? We want to use our products smartly and efficiently. Um, and so that's been a, a really um, a really important area for the industry. And then we have seen things like detergent boxes, right, that are replacing the, um, you know, the plastic, um, you know, uh, jug, if you will. Um, and but there's still a plastic liner, just like a coffee cup needed, right, to um, make sure that that product integrity remains in place. And so I do think we're going to see more and more 
paper-based packaging around health and beauty products, particularly organic brands, because that's very consistent with their market and positioning. Marianne, as a follow-up to, to Marta's previous question, I know you're aware that Sustana's recycled fiber is added to all kinds of sustainable food and beverage packaging from paper cups and carry-out containers to sandwich wraps and even microwavable sleeves. Um, what promotional programs uh, does the board have in place or have you considered for promoting Recycle Fiber, PCR? So um, we are in our promotions around um, reuse of fiber. We, we are talking with consumers about the fact that uh, paper products are recyclable, but we know they don't really know what happens. And so we have a whole set of um, videos and other um, uh print ads and things like that, that really tell that circularity story, um, that your a vaccine box becomes a shipping box, becomes um, a Kleenex box, becomes, becomes, becomes. And, and so consumers understand that when they recycle, right, their um, recycling turns into other things. So we don't talk specifically about how much recycled content is in any given thing. But we do educate consumers that when you recycle, those fibers get used up to seven times to make other different products. And that's really how we're getting that story out. That's great. Uh, fantastic. Um, I, I think consumers have a, a yearning to, to know about those things. They want to do the right thing. And it sounds like you're kind of steering them in the right direction. Yeah, no, we really um, are, are, are trying to make them excited and confident that their recycling is making a difference. It's interesting, I've seen research, I think it was a recycling partnership where there's almost this like sense of civic responsibility uh, when it comes to recycling. And so um, we want to appeal to those sensibilities um, and, you know, we, we want to make it easy for them. And so this is where I'm excited, too, about, you know, the advancements made, being made in recycling. Marianne, in terms of marketing, I know you've created some really clever campaigns revolving around the board's sustainability story, both in print and PR, about how life unfolds. And what was really um, interesting to me was uh, your program, Faces of the Forest, uh, a video series that you put together. Could you tell us a little bit about that program and uh, how it came about? Sure. So um, authenticity is a, a, a huge um, driver behind storytelling. Um, and, and most good brands today are really focused on not, not you know, just one-way communication, but really creating a dialogue with people. And so um, what we thought would really make a lot of sense is to start looking at some of these foresters across all the different wood baskets in the United States and um, tell us their story, you know, um, their story of land ownership, um, how they got that land, how they take care of it. And um, we work with the American Forest Foundation to identify uh, these foresters um, all over the United States. So we're actually going on our eighth um, video this year. And the goal was just for them to tell us in their own words um, what it means to be a forest landowner and both the responsibilities, the challenges, um, and even the resources. We had a mother-daughter team. Uh, this was one of my favorites from North Carolina. They inherited this land 
um, from their family, and they didn't have any real background um, in, in land ownership. And so North Carolina has this incredible forestry program and services, and they came out and they helped um, the Gray family write a forest management plan. And so the industry is incredibly robust in that way, really having these great local networks and resources. And so it's a it was just a, a nice way to let consumers hear from the owners of the land themselves that, you know, they're not in it to just, you know, clear cut it and, um, you know, get a bunch of money and walk away, that there's a real preservation mentality among landowners to do the right thing. It seems like, though, the tide has turned uh, and paper now is considered uh, much more acceptable. Um, what do you think accounted for that shift in public opinion and, and what can the board do to continue to reinforce this shift and acceptance, if you will, of paper? I think we certainly hit a low during COVID in how much paper we were using because people weren't going to work. They weren't going into the office, um, schools, um, churches, uh, conventions, conferences. My husband's uh, in commercial printing and you know, the phone didn't ring for six months because people weren't going anywhere and all the support materials that were paper weren't getting used. But I, I do think what's happened um, is people um, have reached a point that they miss that tactile experience. And so um, you see book sales um, are, you know, um, on the rise and from an all time low a couple years ago. And so um, so consumers are really starting to understand, you know, where they want their paper and how how to serve it up. Um, we've seen in our research, consumers get hung up about paper being wasteful when it's there's paper given to them that they didn't want, right? So this is maybe perhaps, you know, um, a lot of mail for things that they weren't interested in, okay? And so how, how we maneuver around that, I think, is a, an important question. But I think um, in the space of, again, learning and having really, um, you know, experiential, um, you know, an experiential life, you know, paper just touches so many of the senses. And, and so, um, you know, again, it's not going to be like it was 25 years ago, but um, people know that paper's there for them when they want it, when they want an airline ticket printed out, you can do it right when you want a chapter for um, a science uh, experiment at school, you can print it out. So I think it's just having paper more on the terms that they want it when they need it, as opposed to not having it at all. Well said. Oh, I'm still, you know, a big fan of writing notes on paper. My house is full with like my little notes to myself. And once, because once you write it, it's more likely you're going to remember it anyway. That's right. I. I, right. And and I, I still uh, like to have my notebook. You know, I see people with their, their iPad taking notes in a meeting. I'm like, please. There's a lot of research that shows that uh, people who are just sitting there typing versus taking notes are not committing that to memory. Right. That you're it's actually going into your brain and making connections, you know, when you write it down. Yeah. So there is a mm -hmm. lot more data out there to reinforce the value of paper in learning and comprehension. And then this is anecdotal. But, you know, if you watch Jimmy Fallon and, um, you know, he does thank you notes every week. And so. Yeah. 
Um, and they're usually, you know, a joke about something, but he's writing on paper and he's taking a minute to think about saying something authentic. And so that isn't any particularly kind of big advertisement, but it does reinforce, you know, that idea that good ideas, right, get written down on paper. So we, we've, we've got a lot of positivity, I think, in, you know, um, in the broader marketplace about paper. Paper is in the radar as a material of choice, right? However, we all know that um, fashions come and go, uh, and they tend to circle. Yeah, they tend to cycle. However, uh, we have short span of attention. So, what would you, what ideas do you have in mind, or do you have any plans to keep the momentum of these? paper at the forefront of circular economy and material of choice to uh, stop these damage that we are causing in generations to come. So you've, you've touched on a really um, important topic that's um, near and dear to our heart, right? This whole idea of, you know, circularity and um, using just what we need. What we have found is um, we've got a print ad out right now where we take that concept of your 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 paper, your magazine, your box can become, 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 right? And we present it in a circular way. And then we, we, we have reminders of the force and that renewable resource that it came from. And that ad is working so powerfully for us because without saying circular, right, consumers are understanding right? The, the reuse of the material, the reuse of the fiber. And then they see the force and they're reminded that it's renewable. And so we are going to be tackling circularity through um, less about sort of, you know, trying to drill into people's heads, kind of the exact science of it, and more just implying that through both the, the reuse of um, fiber um, when you recycle it, and then the renewability of forests. And again, reminding consumers that our industry helps put back twice the volume that it uses um, on any given year. So it isn't just, like I said, a literally a you know, um, science textbook discussion about circularity, but it's, it's about putting all these elements together and presenting them in a way that um, they understand the the um, the naturally circular nature of it, um, and that's been working really well for us. So we're we're really on point to try and expand on what we've learned in telling that story. But again, it's nice because you don't have to whack them over the head. Brilliant! That is totally brilliant. I I need to check it out. I just actually wrote down on a piece of paper. Check out the HP commercial. <laughs> you, yeah. you took a note on it, Marta. That's good. You'll re- you'll remember. <laughs> Well, Marianne, uh, we could go on and on. This has been so fascinating. Yeah. But as as we conclude our conversation with you today, I had one more question. Sure. Um, New York Times bestselling author Mark Kalansky, who's written books like Salt and Cod and The Importance of Not Being Earnest, his newest book, wrote a book uh, called Simply Paper in 2016. And in that book, he quoted... Um, Harry Gould, um, who grew Gould paper into one of the four largest paper distributorships in the United States and New York. And Harry was quoted as saying, paper will probably never disappear. Do you agree with that statement? I do agree because there's really no substitute um, visually 
or otherwise for the multi-sensorial experience. There's a whole um, school of thought um, out there called haptics, right? And it's all about how you interact, right, with um, things in your life in multi-dimensional ways. And so paper, you can smell it, you can see it, you can touch it, um, you can hear it. And so um, you just don't, you don't trigger all the senses, um, you know, in a video um, the way you do when you've got that tactile um, thing in hand. And so I still think it's going to be a beautiful, you know, expression of everything from, you know, clothing to um, things that we want to buy for our home to, um, again, you know, reading uh, for information, reading to learn, reading to comprehend. Marianne, it's it's been a pleasure talking about paper with you. Um, we've learned a lot today and um, we can't thank you enough for your time. Um, it was exciting to hear that paper uh, still has a prominent place uh, in today's marketplace and uh, looks like a promising future as well. But thank you again. You're very welcome and definitely have me back in a year or so and I'll, I'll have some results on how things are going with our new sustainability focus. Certainly. Oh, I can't, I can't wait to hear the follow-up. Thank you so much, Marianne. Great to talk with you both. Take care. Thanks again for joining us for this month's edition of Pope Nonfiction, the paper and packaging podcast. We look forward to seeing you next month. But in the meantime, if you would like more information, please be sure to visit sustanafiber.com. And don't forget to subscribe and please give us a good rating and a good review. We want to keep bringing this to you and that is the best way that you can help us.